0: Welcome to MSI Tech Chat, a podcast
1: from MSI, which provides you with information about technology, gaming, and PC building. This episode, you will hear an interview from a recording of the MSI Insider Livestream.
0: So let's get started and enjoy the conversation.
2: Hey, 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 everybody! Welcome, welcome to our weekly MSI Insider livestream. I'm Ja, and today I have Peter with me. Hi, guys. Welcome, guys. Welcome. Windows 11 is finally here. So, who hasn't today, been talking about it? Yeah, I, mean, I know. It's, 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 no matter
1: what channel you opened, what news, Facebook doesn't matter. Everything yeah. was full of that nice <laughs> blue background.
2: Yeah. Unless you were like unplugged and been living in the forest for like the past uh, month, so Um, Uh, (laughs) Hasn't
1: the forest been updated to Windows 11 yet? Don't think so. Ah. <laughs> uh, still pending. Yeah.
2: All right. We got a lot of good stuff today going on, guys. So uh, we even have a special guest from Microsoft joining us in just a minute. And together, we'll go through in details regarding the requirements for Windows 11 and, you know, what kind of PCs are uh, compatible, you know, the hardware uh, uh, side of the story and also the security. Of course, a very, very big topic of Windows 11. A lot of good stuff yeah. and fun as usual in our live stream. so Stick around and let's hope to have a lot of fun and gain
1: a lot of of knowledge. Exactly. So, if you guys have any any very specific questions or something, you can always ask. Uh, Again, the goal for this live stream is to provide you some general information, but also to kind of compile a lot of the information that that you know has been going around for the past well months basically, um, into as much uh, practical information as possible. If you want to start with Windows 11, but you're not sure if your system can handle it, et cetera, et cetera, or what you need to do, how to enable certain options, uh, that kind of information, like hands-on stuff, uh, is what you can expect in this live stream. Um, And of course, uh, like Ja mentioned, some uh, exclusive inside information from uh, a special guest from Microsoft itself. All right, all right. So I
2: think you guys already had like a little (laughs) bit of (laughs) a preview of you know how this special guest is going to look like. But uh, you know, let us officially welcome uh, Jordan from Microsoft to our call. (laughs) Jordan. I see Jordan is also in a good mood since he uh, probably picked up on uh, the uh, happy little (laughs) mistake. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) How's
1: it going, guys? Hi, Jordan. Uh, Good. Thanks. How are you? Good. Good. Doing good. It's uh, how early is it there?
0: Uh, let's see. It's uh, seven o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. so yeah. Wow, yeah.
1: guys. A
0: Little early, but not not too bad.
1: Press F uh, for respect. Yeah. yeah. So, um, where where are you at the moment? Maybe that's also a relevant question <laughs> to explain the time <laughs> so, difference. Uh, I'm I'm at home. I'm in Redmond.
0: Uh, so I'm you know I would say I'm based out of the Redmond office, but we haven't really been <laughs> in the Redmond office in uh, quite some time. Right, uh, but yeah, um, seems right like a trend nowadays. Down, <laughs> uh, just outside of Seattle. Yeah. All
2: right. Okay, Jordan. So, uh, you know, for our audience, uh, you know, what's your background? Let's let's get on with that.
0: My background. Uh, so, I I joined Microsoft back in twenty seventeen. Prior to that, I was actually a product manager at uh, at an OEM uh, that has a pretty strong gaming heritage. Um, so I joined on the Xbox team. Uh, I was on Xbox up until 2019. Uh, I was actually the, the product marketing manager for Game Pass for PC, so I helped bring that uh, to market and was uh, you know very excited about that. Uh, after we launched that, I moved up to the Windows team. So I've been uh, the senior product marketing manager for Windows Gaming since 2019. I have a few other categories that I cover as well, but. Yeah, I think the one that's going to be relevant for this audience is, is gaming. <laughs> but is there also a gamer in you? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly why I'm in the role, um, you know, coming from a hardware background, like, you know, I, I build most of my own PCs. Look um, at that, look
2: at that, guys. <laughs> we're gonna, we're <laughs> like gonna, i literally an got, got part, here. I
0: literally have parts laying around on my desk right now, actually, because I'm, I'm Getting ready to build another one. I'm just trying to find a graphics card.
2: That's pretty awesome. I'm getting Ouch. a sense of you know how your environment looks like, and it seems like pretty neat.
0: Oh, oh, yeah. You know, right here. So yeah, my little virtual environment here. This is a, <laughs> a Halo Infinite screenshot. Uh, yeah, my I'm actually just in my my op, my home office, which is not even really a home office. It's a spare bedroom, but. Uh, Yeah, for the sake of this argument, I am in the middle of uh, one of the levels of Halo Infinite. I'm not sure the exact name of it, but uh, I have had a chance to play Halo Infinite, uh, you know, several weekends through the tech tests, and that's been a ton of
2: fun. Sounds like a lot of good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Of course, uh, we're here now to talk about Windows 11, right? So some good stuff. All right. Yeah, let's uh,
0: let's get into it, I guess. huh? Yeah. Sure, let's jump right in. You want to start with um, system requirements? Yep, let's go. Seems All right, like, yeah. Uh, you know, I, a
1: lot of details that people can I, uh, I really think use. one of the hot topics, indeed, since a lot of news came out, obviously, other than the looks and then the updated that, but everybody was kind of, I don't know. Well, there were several reactions, obviously, and I guess people were surprised, but uh, tell us a little bit more about it.
0: Yeah. So you know, we, we really took this opportunity to kind of set a new bar in terms of of minimum hardware requirements. Uh, we did that based on a number of different principles, and we can we can get into that in a moment. But let's start with what those those actual minimum system requirements are, and that's that you're going to need a one gigahertz or faster processor with two or more cores. Uh, it needs to be a sixty four bit processor or SoC. Um, we do have a list of the compatible processors. We're going to cover that.
2: Yeah here to as well, estimated. so
0: I'll, I'll save that. Uh, RAM, four gigs of RAM, you know, if you're a gamer, that's, <laughs> you're, not, you're not too worried about that. No, 64 yeah. gigs of storage, same thing. If you're a gamer, you're not really worried about that. Um, firmware, it does need to be uh, UEFI secure boot capable. You don't actually have to have secure boot enabled, but it needs to be a secure boot capable system. Uh, so again, you know, pretty much anything that's come out in the last, a while, a um, I can't, yeah. you know, I, I can't remember the last time I saw firmware that wasn't actually UEFI. Uh, TPM 2.0, this one's the one that's kind of caused uh, a little bit of concern at the beginning, because I think a lot of people didn't realize that really, if, if you've got a system from the last few years, that is built in to, to the CPU, you have a firmware TPM option, Yeah. the trick is you just need to make sure it's turned on, we're going to talk about that in a moment. A uh, graphics card just needs to be compatible with DirectX 12 or later. So, you know, that, that includes things like, um, you know, some of the Intel and AMD uh, integrated graphics as well. But, you know, if you're a gamer, if you've got a recent graphics card, I mean, really from, you know, for quite some time, there have been DirectX 12 graphics cards. Exactly. Available. So yeah. that's probably not a concern for you either.
1: No.
0: Um, display, this, this really is kind of more for laptops than anything else. You know, you need to have a display, it needs to be greater than nine inches diagonally. Again, I was actually for most people, uh, uh, not a problem.
2: Jordan uh, I was actually a little bit interested in uh, the the nine inch diagonally like uh, how did you guys come up with that part like yeah um it, you know it's it's um <laughs> I mean if it's like
0: an 8.9 inch diagonal screen it probably still counts <laughs> um... <laughs> but basically we you know, I think we with Windows 10, you could still do systems down to at least seven inches, if I recall. Yeah. Uh, but with Windows 11, that, that jumps up to nine inches. Um, you know, I I don't have the exact answer as
2: to why it's nine. Yeah, because I was actually guessing firing. maybe this also has a lot of to do with uh, tablets and stuff like that, uh, in which yeah, maybe I mean, where it, the sizes are kind of not your usual monitor sizes. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: You know, that's that's certainly an area that we're focused on. You know, we've really dramatically improved the the touch experience in Windows 11. Uh, you know, if you had a a Windows 10 device, like I've, I've actually got some little um, some little development boards that are um, uh, made by a company called Latte Panda, and I've got them hooked up to little you know seven inch touch screens. and you know I've kind of used that to play around with a few different things, um, but with those, if you had Win- Windows 10 running on it, it would sort of run in something called tablet mode, which, uh, you know, didn't really work quite the same way with things like the start menu and the desktop. And so with this, you know, with Windows 11, it's a much more consistent experience uh, going from a touch device to a non-touch device. Uh, and additionally, you know, again, the touch experience is just really dramatically better with things like, uh, you know, a brand new keyboard that's really great for for touch screens. Um you know, it has things like built in gifts. And, you know, there's a little microphone button that you can hit that'll allow you to do voice typing. So that's really great. And then we have a bunch of new um, gestures that make it easier to just navigate with touch. So it's definitely an area that we're focused on. Uh, It's an area that we're going to continue to be focused on. But um, yeah, you know, most people see nine inch screens, and they're like, well, wait, what what has a nine inch screen? And the answer, (laughs) generally, Tablets and so yeah, you're gonna see more windows tablets uh, or de- really really detachables You know we say yeah. tablets, you know people often buy those devices as tablets But more often than not they have a keyboard option. So they're really detachables Interesting good stuff good stuff. Yeah, yeah uh, yeah, and so then uh, in addition to that, I think the other thing that, you know, most people want to be aware of is if you're, if you're using Windows 11 Home Edition, you're going to need an internet connection um, during the, the setup process to sign in with a, a Microsoft account. Um, but uh, other than that, um, like if you've got like Pro, for example, if you're on Windows 11 Pro, uh, you actually don't have that requirement we, we sort of left that out um, for enterprise and SMB customers um, and then you know if you've got a device in s mode again not probably an issue for most gamers um, that also requires internet, internet connectivity um, so yeah those are those are the basic system requirements uh, I put a link up here at the top of this slide that um, you can go to and give you more, it'll, it'll give you all this detail if you want to yeah. sort of do double click into anything.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, that's that's really where things start. And from there, you know, again, we'll sort of get into a specific list of processors. And then um, I think we'll go through and look at the exact motherboards uh, in particular as well. The, yeah, but a, if, you, if you
1: see that, the, you know, the processors, uh, the RAM requirement, the storage, you know, just the hardware mm-hmm. side of things, you, you really think, all right, well, basically, anything from, I don't know, like 10 years ago could pretty much handle that. Um, so it, it's more about the, the additional requirements, uh, such as the TPM uh, and, and stuff like that, um, that really come into play. Um, and I mean, maybe, yeah. I think in the, in, the, in the next few slides, you'll talk a little bit about, more about why, um, you know, certain processors are uh, excluded basically, or, or yeah, n- not uh, supported because I think that's yeah. one, one of the hottest topics right that people are wondering okay why these processors supported and 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 where why did you draw the line specifically there I think that's one of the biggest questions by a lot of people
0: yeah and and actually if we want to jump to the next slide I've got I've got some detail here um so basically, you know our engineering teams spent a lot of time evaluating this and trying to figure out, all right, you know what does that minimum cutoff need to be and 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 why?
1: Yeah.
0: And ultimately, it was really based on these three principles, which was reliability, security security, and compatibility. Right. Uh, and so what they found in their testing was that you know devices that don't meet the minimum system requirements had fifty two percent more kernel mode crashes. Whereas if you had a system that did meet all those minimum requirements that we outlined, it was it was almost effectively a crash-free experience, and you know 99.8% crash-free. Uh, so that's you know a pretty significant difference. Uh, so that reliability was really uh, a strong starting point for where those minimum system requirements came from. Uh, the next major one is is security. Um, you know, if it's not obvious from the TPM requirement, you know we're really uh, raising the baseline uh, of Windows security by uh, implementing some of these improved uh, security default configurations, uh, and that's really to help combat things like you know the increasing number of cyber attacks that we see worldwide. Uh, in fact, our engineering teams worked with um, uh, our our threat intelligence team as well as uh, agencies like the National Security Agency here in the US, the UK National Cybersecurity Center, and the Canadian Center for Cybersecurity to help uh, develop these requirements uh, for security. Uh, and then finally, compatibility. Um, you know, People continue to increasingly use their PCs for a number of different things, things like video conferencing, productivity, gaming, of course. Uh, and so, you know, by kind of upping the uh, the minimum requirements, that's going to help us ensure that all Windows 11 devices can run a core set of applications uh, to meet those needs, uh, and uh, to really help align with some of the most commonly used apps. And so, uh, yeah, that that's kind of where those came from. Uh, the you know the security thing in particular, I think, was. Um, uh, you know, really important. Uh, again, you see that reflected in our, our TPM requirement. Um, but yeah, that's 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 where we landed. These were the guiding principles that really helped us uh, help the engineering teams establish this baseline.
1: All right.
2: Okay, uh, Jordan. I think there's an interesting question from Chad uh, from Brenix. So more or less, he uh, or she is asking, um, no, will Windows 11 be like, really imposed on people at a certain moment in time, or do people really have to, the free will to do whenever? Well, they Yeah, they, they refer want to Windows
1: 7, <laughs> so they said, uh, yeah. th- basically, uh, hope they don't force the change to Windows 11 like they did with Windows 7. I can't recall exactly how Windows 7 went, but back in those days, I think I, I more than willingly switched to any new versions anyway, because I just wanted <laughs> to try it out. Um, yeah well, yeah you know uh, I think you know with
0: Windows 7 whenever we got to the end of life for Windows 7 and by end of life we mean end of support uh, you know at, at that point if, if you know you, you really probably need to be updating your OS at that point yeah. um, if it's no longer getting security updates that's not a great thing for you as an end user that you know that's something that could put you at greater risk yeah. um, but you know we've we've said, Really, from the, the start of this, from the moment that we first announced Windows 11, that yeah, we're absolutely going to keep supporting Windows 10 uh, through 2025. Uh, it's, I can't remember the exact date, but it's October of 2025. Uh, we'll we'll continue. will continue
2: quite a few years. <laughs> About
1: four years, yeah. So
0: you've still got plenty of time. No, we're not going to force it on no. you. It'll be, um, you know, if you have a, a system that's capable of running Windows 11, it'll be offered to you through Windows Update. So, you know, you can. You can choose to get that update if you want. It is, of course, a free update uh, for Windows Ten users. So, you know, it's really up to you. Uh, you can either you can either make that jump, or if you would rather stay stay on Windows Ten for the next few years, you can do that as well. We're we're not. Gonna force I, I noticed that, you're you know?
1: using the word update, or would you? I mean, would you hesitate to call it an upgrade? Oh no, no I you know I very much consider Windows Eleven an upgrade,
0: right. um, but the the mechanism. Uh, through which you can get it yeah. uh, within Windows is through Windows True. Update. So, yeah. um, you know, go to, go to that through your settings menu, um, and uh, you'll, you'll see that option there. It'll start showing up for more and more people in the coming months. Um, but, you know, if you can't wait, like right now, you um, one of the things you could do if you're not seeing that option there in Windows Update, is we do have the uh, media creation tool. Uh, it's something that, you know, especially for, for your customers that you know buy their own motherboards and build their own systems, they're probably very familiar with the media creation tool. They can use that to go and download the Windows 11 ISO and uh, install it on their system That's I see way. another
1: quite relevant question, I think, uh, by, and I, I hope I can pronounce this correctly, Hirak uh, Pratim Das. Who's asking for how long will this update be available? Because I can remember indeed that I think Windows 10 update at some point, you know, there there was a cutoff point at some point. I mean, it was quite long anyway, but um, is there anything (laughs) like that planned for Windows 11 or not really known yet? No,
0: no, it's going to be available for you for the, like, you know, if on, and I correct my phone, I think the date for end of support for Windows 10, I think we've said is October 25th, 2020. Let's let's it's sometime in October of twenty twenty five. So let's see say in September of twenty twenty five you decide you're ready to make that jump to Windows eleven, it's still gonna be available to you. It's not something where it you know, you only have a limited time period to get it. You you'll be able to get it whenever you're ready to make that yeah.
1: jump. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, I think that's quick. Okay dokie. Uh, sorry, just monitoring cool. the chat as well at the main time, yeah. uh, seeing if there's any other uh, interesting questions there. A lot of people just in general, you know, discussing about it and uh, that's always good. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, uh, do we want to yes. talk
0: more about the uh, the CPU requirements? Yes. All right. Because um, I've got that on the next yeah. slide. Um, so we, we talked about sort of the, the baseline CPU requirements uh, a few minutes ago, but uh, in terms of the actual supported processors, uh, this is this is what we're we're saying is the is the minimum is uh, with AMD. So it needs to be a second generation Zen processor. Now, AMD's naming is a little confusing here. Um, so by second generation Zen, we don't mean Zen two, we mean really Zen Plus. Zen Plus was the micro architecture that was their second generation for Zen. So, uh, you know, that's going to include things like the, you know, like Threadripper 2000 series, for example. Uh, Qualcomm, uh, you know, this is kind of a little bit more niche because you can't exactly build your own Qualcomm system right now, but uh, (laughs) Snapdragon (laughs) 850 and above. I believe the only one that's dropped, I think is the Snapdragon 835. And then for Intel, we've got, all of the eighth generation and later uh, eighth generation core series and above Uh, and then uh, following that initial announcement we did go back and we got a lot of feedback around that requirement and we went back and looked at some additional data and based on testing throughout the you know through the windows insider program and some of that additional feedback uh, we added uh, some select processors from the seventh generation as well and so those are going to be The Core X series and the Xeon W series, uh, as well as uh, the Core 7820, but that only applies to select devices that shipped with modern drivers uh, that were that were based on DCH uh, declarative componentized hardware support, Uh, and uh, so that includes things like the Surface Studio 2.
1: Okay.
0: so that is, that is our, our minimum uh, processor requirement in terms of really the, the, the generations uh, of, of architecture from AMD Qualcomm. And,
1: and can you mention it, because, for example, I'm one of the, well, I guess unlucky ones in this case. I have a laptop with a 7700HQ 7, in it, which was a very capable processor, but unfortunately I was checking to see if I could update it to Windows 11. It uh, wasn't available because uh, it met all the requirements other than the, the CPU uh, wasn't supported. So uh, I was also wondering, like, hmm, why did you guys cut it off there exactly? Um, so uh, is it because of the, the reasons you mentioned before that it, it would, for example, be less uh, reliable, or less stable? Um, or uh, is it uh, would it get a more significant performance hit in some of the new features and, and uh, things that especially the security feature that Windows 11 has or yeah so you know again this is where
0: I, I kind of defer to the engineers on this yeah. one because they're the ones that ultimately made this call um, but it, you know it's again it's based on those three principles yeah. that we talked about above around you know ensuring that reliability that compatibility and that security uh, and so you know you do sort of get into um, varying degrees of of support for certain features whenever you start getting into uh older processor generations and you know again we we did update that supported list um you know for those select seventh generation uh devices uh that was based on you know technical reviews that the engineers did um and they determined that you know those those particular processors that we added don't compromise that commitment to system requirement principles uh, but they couldn't say the same about um, some older processors. Yeah. So uh, that—that's ultimately just where things landed, and uh, you know what our engineers recommended.
2: Okay. <clears throat> okay uh, so there was a question regarding direct storage. Now, guys, <laughs> uh, later uh, we will get into some details regarding direct storage. So you, you know, just be a little bit more patient, and uh, perhaps we can get on with that later um
0: yeah yeah we'll talk about direct storage in a little bit um uh you know it's one of my favorite features as you know as a gamer um you know it's one that you're gonna have to wait a little bit to start seeing games (laughs) actually showing up that deliver on
2: that yeah that's actually the question
1: Uh... (laughs) when people can uh, oh okay all right well uh, we'll we'll talk about that in a moment i'm getting out of my also (laughs) someone's asking when will android apps be available on windows 11. if i'm not mistaken i already saw a couple of examples of this in, in some content made by media. They, they found some Android apps already running, how was it, Amazon, I think, I, or a couple of them.
0: So, uh, yeah, we, we can cover that. Um, so we, we haven't uh, announced when we're actually going to be rolling that out, but we will roll out the Amazon App Store um, to, uh, to Windows Insiders in the coming months. Um, in terms of the apps that people are seeing in the store right now, um, I think maybe some reviewers think that they're Android apps, but they're not actually Android apps. Uh, one, of the, one of the big things that we've done with Windows 11 is we've really dramatically increased the type of content that's available in the store, and so you're starting to see uh, you know, brand new apps showing up there that weren't available through our store previously. Uh, and so things that you kind of associate with being mobile apps, or might associate with being an Android app, uh, things like Instagram and TikTok, those are showing up there, but they're they're actually progressive web apps. If I'm not mistaken, I think both of those particular examples are progressive web right, apps. Right. Uh, which we do now have available in our store. Um, and progressive web apps are great because you know you don't you don't have to update them like you do normal apps. They're they're kind of uh, and, and they really offer in most cases almost the exact same experience. Uh, so, you know, those those are available right now. You're going to see more, more and more types of apps, more and more apps that people really love and use every day. Those will be showing up in the store. Um, you know, one of the one of the big ones that we also just added was, um, you know, the Epic Game Store is now available through the Microsoft Store. Um, one of the things that's enabling that is uh we've made some changes to our policies that allow uh developers to use their own commerce engines and get to keep hundred percent of the revenue uh and so you know that's that's generated a lot of interest uh, as well, well in bad. terms of
1: <laughs> Well, you got yeah. an edge there over your competitors or some competitors <laughs> well uh, yeah yeah
0: uh, I, I, you know I think uh there's been some some litigation yes. about yeah, that. I think a lot of people will know
1: what we're talking about, indeed. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, yeah, anyway, but... I, I can imagine that that will spike some interest, indeed. Uh, I see a lot of questions in the chat about performance, guys. We're going to be talking about that a little bit. Um yeah. Please bear with us. Uh, so that's coming up. But first, we want to get through, um, you know, some of the yeah requirements, basically, and, and then the the how, what, why, yeah, um, yeah. kind so of now, thing. Yeah. Uh, so, so let's
0: Let's let's talk a little bit about TPM 2.0 because again, I think this is the one that, that caused a little bit of confusion early on. And pay uh, attention, guys. Uh, of, yes, <laughs> I know. I know a lot of people were like going on eBay and, and you know looking for for TPMs, you know, discrete yeah, TPM modules. modules on eBay. So <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, you don't it's need that, kind of uh, tripled uh, or, or tripled than... over a short period of time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. I've got a little discrete TPM module sitting around in one of my older desktops. that I thought about taking it out. <laughs> throwing it on eBay, but no, you you don't, uh, odds are you don't need a discrete TPM module. Um, Basically just about every PC shipped in the last five years is capable of running TPM uh, in firmware. So you you don't need a separate TPM module. Um, We're using TPM for a number of different features. Um, You know, this is, it's a little, it's either a chip or it's a feature built into the firmware uh, that is, uh, you know, it's really designed to protect encryption keys. So uh, user credentials, other sensitive data, uh, that sort of stuff gets put behind a barrier so that malware and attackers can't access or tamper with them. This really goes back to, you know, that security principle that we talked about earlier. Right, right. Uh, so TBM is a critical building block for providing that security. Uh, it's also critical for things like Windows Hello and BitLocker, you know, Windows Hello is, is great because you know, depending on how you have it configured, you can get to really a a passwordless experience where, you know, you you don't have to worry about remembering uh, uh, passwords. You don't have to worry so much about, uh, you know, phishing and other password-based attacks uh, if you're using that feature. Uh, But again, you know, this is something that's that's built into firmware. Uh, So basically, uh, you know, it's something that uh, comes, Enabled in the CPU for for pre-built systems. The trick is, uh, if you're building your own PC, uh, or, you know, if you are sourcing your PC or even in some cases potentially upgrading your PC with additional parts, it might not be enabled. Um, so, you know, if you get an MSI motherboard and you're installing an Intel or an AMD CPU in it, it's it's not going to have. TPM enabled uh, probably right out of the box. And so you need to go in and actually turn that on. Um, but it's almost always there. Uh, the one other tricky thing is it's, it's not always labeled TPM. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's called different things. Uh, and so we'll get into that in a second. I've actually I've got some step-by-step instructions that uh, actually I, I found on your forums. Uh, specifically for your motherboards that show how to get to TPM and how to turn it on for both an Intel system and an AMD system. Uh, So we'll cover that in just a second. Uh, But first, I think what we need to do is talk about the actual motherboards from MSI that support TPM. Uh, And again, you guys have done a great job of actually listing those all out. This list is available in several different places. Um, I don't know if you have a link to one of those that you want to provide to the chat, but uh, either way here's the list um, so from intel I, I don't know if you want me to read all these off but you know it's it's really everything from the 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 100 series to the 500 series and the X299 series uh, so you look at something like an H110
1: for yeah. example
0: uh, H110 that's that's an interesting example because that's a a board that was originally designed uh, for like 6th generation intel core processors but it shared the same socket all the way up through at least the eighth generation. So you could have an eighth generation core processor in an H110 board, and that's still gonna be compatible. Um, But again, you you do need to make sure that you turn on TPM 2.0.
1: In that case, it really depends on the processor you have in there. So for example, if you have a a 6000 series uh, processor in there, it's not gonna be uh, enabled or able to to upgrade to uh, Windows 11. But if you have an eighth generation in there, it will. right yep, exactly
0: and then the amd side uh you know a little bit shorter list here (laughs) it's a little bit easier um you know 300 400 500 series and then the the tr4 series so that's going to include the trx40 and the x399 and i believe those are both for threadripper um yeah and i I think maybe that works for some Epic processors as well, but those are, you know, there's probably not a lot of people at home running Epic processors. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's, it's limited. People. Those are really server. Yeah,
1: processors.
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's the full list. Uh, and then um, I do have, uh, if we go to the next slide, just some some kind of basic instructions for how to enable TPM uh, on most systems. Um, you know some people have a little bit of trouble getting into the BIOS uh, you know especially if your system boots really quickly it's not always particularly easy to, to get into the BIOS especially if you don't know which key to hit uh, so there is a way to do it from within Windows uh, so you can uh, you know go to settings update and security recovery restart now and then you're going to get to kind of a blue screen with a, a few different boxes on it and you would choose troubleshoot advanced options, UEFI firmware settings and then restart to make changes. And that's going to reboot you directly into the BIOS. Um, it's like node guys. Alternatively, <laughs> alternatively the, the way that most people are probably used to doing it is you hold down and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, I believe on MSI motherboards it's gonna be the yes, delete. Key delete. Yeah. Yeah. So for some motherboards it's like F2, for others yeah. it's like F12. But for MSI, you know, just pull down or repeatedly hit the delete key as your system's booting up that's going to get you into your BIOS uh, and then from there you need to look for uh, again we'll cover exactly what it is for MSI boards here in a second but you know if, if someone's watching and maybe they've got another system or a secondary system that isn't based on an MSI board you're going to look for something that's probably labeled security device, security device support, uh, TPM state. Uh, For AMD, they it's a little bit clearer. They call it FTPM, Uh, so try to find a switch for that. Uh,
1: FTPM,
0: that stands for. Yeah, and then Intel, Intel tends to call it PTT, which stands for Platform Trust Mm. Technology. So you might need to look for that switch uh, as well to to turn that on. Uh, But luckily, it's pretty clear on MSI boards. Uh, If we want to jump to the next slide, Uh, from here on on an MSI board, you just go to BIOS. Settings, security, trusted computing, so kind of right where you think it would be. Uh, and then for Intel, uh, there's an option that just says TPM device selection. Uh, and So you would you would uh, uh, turn that to PTT. So again, you know, little little tricky because of how Intel labels that feature, but you would you would select PTT, and that's going to turn it on. And then for AMD, there is uh, an option that just says AMD FTPM switch. Uh, and so that gives you the option to enable uh, AMD CPU FTPM, and that's gonna turn it yeah. on. But, uh, The Reason why these are available as kind of options is because you could have a situation where you have uh, either the firmware option or you could have a discrete TPM chip plugged in as well. And so you know, they need to give you the option to toggle back and forth between them. Yep. Uh, but this is how you turn it on. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty straightforward. And once you do that, you know, if you've been Trying to install Windows 11, and something's been blocking you, and you haven't quite been sure what it is. If you haven't been using the PC Health Check app, um, you know this is is a very good. There's a very good chance that this is what's been blocking you, and so turning that on should enable you to to complete that installation. Farmer
1: yeah. was asking, "What's a TPM? Trusted Platform <laughs> Module." Yeah, tr- yeah, sorry. I probably should have. No, don't
0: worry, I think I talked about what the chip was, but I never actually explained the acronym. It, it's basically so, an yeah, encryption trusted, trusted chip, platform. correct? Yeah, yeah, and and again, can be a standalone chip yeah. or, you know, in in virtually every case from, you know, the last few years, it's uh, also available via firmware. Uh, so it's, it's sort of uh, virtually creating that chip on the yeah. CPU.
2: Yeah, and guys, uh, in just a minute, we'll also uh, go through this process live so we also demonstrate how you can get into the BIOS and where you need to be just like the screenshots, but then uh, going through a live process. Excellent. Cool. Um, Actually,
0: um, it's probably not a bad time. Do you want to do that right now? Uh, Well. well, Or, or, (laughs) uh, or we could talk about or. Uh, we can talk about, um, I've got a, so that's kind of, um, all the information that I have around, um, you know, our minimum requirements and then the things that you need to do to actually, um, you know, turn, turn stuff on within your BIOS in order to get windows 11. Uh, but you know, I'm at the end of the day, I'm the, the gaming marketing guy. And yeah. so I also brought some exciting stuff, stuff. Uh, related to some of our new gaming features that I thought I'd talk about as well. Uh, because in in my opinion, at least, like you know, this is some of the stuff that a gamer would really want. And you know, for for me at least, um, this first one actually Auto HDR. This was the the biggest reason I uh, wanted to update to Windows 11. Um, you know, on my main gaming rig because I do have it hooked up to an HDR display, and this feature is really, really, really cool. Uh, so Auto HDR. If you, uh, if you have one of our newer Xbox Series consoles, you're probably familiar with this. Uh, but this really helps unlock the potential of an HDR-capable display on a lot more games. Um, you know, games over the last few years have been pretty good about shipping with uh, a built-in HDR mode. Um, but you know, especially with, with some older titles, it's, it's not that common to have uh, HDR support in the game. Uh, but we're now able to do that really at the Windows level. Uh, and so, you know, this is something that requires an HDR-capable display, which makes sense. Um, and it works with DirectX 11 and DirectX 12-based uh, standard dynamic range games. Uh, so basically, you know, DirectX 11, gosh, that first shipped back in 20... I
1: uh, don't even remember. Very it's been it's a it's long time. In, DirectX 11 for a long time. I
0: think. Um, you know, so, so older games, like, you know, the example that we showed off whenever we announced uh, Windows 11 was we, we showed Skyrim uh, running with Auto HDR. Um, but, you know, this, this applies to a ton of older games. It's, it's well over a thousand games. Uh, it's probably actually closer to 2,000 at least games that, that support this. And so that's going to get you, uh, you know, this brighter uh, and more colorful uh, gaming experience with wider contrast, wider detail. Uh, it really is just an awesome feature if you have an HDR display. Um, so again, this is really, you know, working with games that were never designed for HDR to begin with. Uh, that includes not just AAA games, but also casual games as well. Um, actually, kind of a, a fun one that I tried out the other day was Among Us. Uh, you, you can you can enable Auto HDR for Among Us. Really, I actually, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and it's it's noticeable in some some areas. You know, you get brighter colors. You get you know brighter whites. You really notice it, like, like in that opening menu. Um, just like the the color of white that you're getting um, is is much brighter, a lot more luminance. Um, so it's again really really cool. Yeah, I can imagine. And you can. And you can either enable this for uh, basically all your games, so you can enable it at a system-wide level, uh, or you can turn it on kind of on a game-by-game basis. So we, you know, we give you the, the option to opt into that feature um, for, for your installed games that are compatible. And so you can access that by going to System, Display, HDR, and then there's a switch underneath there for Auto HDR. Uh, if you click on that, it'll actually give you a full list of your games where you can turn that on and off. Uh, and it's a tricky feature to show to people, um, because you have to, like, I have to assume that everyone that's watching, or not everyone, but most people who are watching this are watching this on, a, on an SDR display, and I don't know if Twitch allows you to even broadcast in HDR. Not yet, I think, uh, yeah. We're also
1: looking yeah. into this, obviously, but...
0: <laughs> yeah. So it's it's tricky. It's it's a hard feature to show off and explain to people. Luckily, our engineers are super duper clever, <laughs> and they built in a registry key. You know, it's it's not something that you can turn on from within the operating system, but they have a registry key that you can put in uh, that will actually give you a side by side view. So half your screen would be with Auto HDR off, the other half is with Auto HDR on, and then from there, I can actually capture footage uh, with Auto HDR enabled and then drop it into a separate program and um, export it in such a way that it's, you can still view it on SDR displays. You, you lose some of the brightness and some of the color, but the important thing is whenever you do that, you can actually still see a difference. And so I think we have a couple of examples of yeah. that. There um, we go. And I'm, it, yeah, so if we're on the slide now, this, um, if we're on the slide, I think we're on, yeah. So this is you know, something I captured off of um off of my system and this is uh, uh halo the master chief collection uh, and the the area where you really notice this as as it pans across is right up there in the the sun like it almost kind of looks like there's like kind of a gray gradient over half the screen uh because you're getting so much more luminance detail on that right hand side with auto hdr on yeah. uh, and so you know, again, there's there's some areas where it's going to be very subtle. There's other areas where you're going to notice it a lot. Um, in addition to this this little GIF that I, I created, uh, I also have uh, a video that I captured uh, from Minecraft. I, I I went to one of Minecraft's ray tracing servers, uh, and just kind of played around for a little while and and you know use some screen recording software and. The cool thing about this clip is that you'll notice it not just in the luminance detail, but in the color detail as yeah, well. I think
2: you need to start uh, the movie,
0: uh, for this one.
2: <clears throat> oh, I did, but I think uh, the capture didn't sw- make the switch. Oh, because my video is oh. already playing here. But uh, oh. let's
1: yeah, let me uh, escape and
2: then redo it.
1: We noticed that this movie wasn't uh, playing. Just a Uh-oh. second. Let's see if we can fix that. I'll shoot. Well,
2: in, in the meantime, think, while, while you're trying, working now. Yes. Okay, right. great. Yes.
0: Yeah. Uh, cool. So I, I can't see exactly what part of the movie that you're in, in, but in right the of, thing that you'll right note... off the
2: bat just started. Yes.
0: Okay, cool. So the thing that you'll really notice here is um, probably the, the one of the clearest uh, places where you can see this is actually in the floor. You know, half of the floor is uh, very bright and vibrant in terms of the color. The other half is just you know li- a little bit duller. There's just not as much color happening there. Uh, there's a point later on in the video, uh, I don't know if we're there yet, um, where I walk by a few different windows that are all different colors. and it, you know, it's another place where you can see really a, a pretty noticeable difference in terms of just the the brightness and and vibrance uh, of that of some of those different colors uh, where again, it, it almost kind of just feels like there's kind of a gray ish screen over one half of, of, of the, the screen whereas the other half is just bright and vibrant uh, in in ways that you don't get today and again you yeah, this is taking HDR footage and converting it back to SDR so that you can see a difference uh, it's really something that you need to experience yourselves uh, so if you have uh, an HDR display uh, you know once you install Windows 10 go check it out um, Another thing that uh, I can probably do—I should have thought about this ahead of time—is uh, I'll get a link to the original blog post where we announced this feature, and in there we have the registry keys. Oh. So if you want to try side-by-side view yourself, uh, you know, you can go into uh, your command prompt. You can you can put in a command that will enable those registry keys, uh, so that you can check this out, and then you know. Uh, whenever you're you're ready to, to game normally, you can. There's also a registry key to turn it back off. Uh,
1: That'd be nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: I'm actually. I'm gonna I'm gonna find that cool. right now, and so, I will.
1: So it's not just the, will, you know you're not just showing it, but people can actually try it for themselves. I mean, there's something that, for example, with uh, we're used to this kind of thing with uh, ray tracing, you know, or at least trying to figure out how to show that side by side. But it's really cool that you can actually uh, just yeah. apply it to half of your screen, so it's we easier can, to see uh, the difference. We can go back to the other field Peter. Yeah. To the main one, and I,
2: uh, with I'm uh, back
0: here. I'm am sending a link right. uh, <laughs> over to you guys so yes. that you can post that in chat if people want to you know read more about Auto HDR and then try out the feature for themselves. Because the registry uh, key uh, is in Auto. that article. Yeah, the registry key is in that oh. article. So if you scroll down, uh, it's kind of towards the, well, it's about the halfway point of the article. Um, well, halfway point of the page. Uh, but it's towards the end of the article. Uh, we have the instructions with the the registry ah, key yes. to enable split screen and disable split screen. So let me let me share uh, that
1: article in the chat right now because I can do that. Uh, cool. Here we go. So guys, if All you want right. to if you want to visit that uh, blog article and uh, yeah, you have obviously you need to have Windows 11 installed. If you try this with Windows 10, what, does your computer explode or? <laughs>
0: No, if you, if you try it with Windows, so, uh, so auto HDR is a Windows 11 feature. Um, we did initially start testing it, um, within, uh, the insider program on Windows 10. So if you, if you're on the Windows 10 insider program, you, you might have this feature. Uh, I think you should have this feature, but, um, yeah, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a feature that really we, we designed for Windows 11. Um, so yeah, you know, once, once you've, uh, Updated your system, like check it out, and I think you know you'll be you'll be impressed. The first time I saw it, I I was honestly kind of
1: blown away <laughs> with uh, with how dramatic the difference was uh, in some well, cases. It's it's really cool. The cool thing about auto AutoHDR uh, is in some cases, like for example, direct storage, you, you really have to wait until some games you know implement it, and it's going to take a while. Whereas the auto HDR basically says you don't have to wait; you can, you know, you can see it now. You can have that effect and then HDR content now, even for content that wasn't designed for it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, you know, it's 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 just sort of that instant gratification yeah. of like,
0: I, I've got something cool. Like, you know, this this was a worthwhile update for me to make just for this feature. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's the way I've, I've because it's it's absolutely awesome. Uh, you know, I'm on a. You've probably seen me looking all the way over here. I'm on a. I'm on a big, HDR 1000 ultra wide display. Right. Uh, and so for me, like the the first time I turned this on, uh, actually I think the first game I tried it with was Skyrim. And uh, you know, I walked out. Uh, you go know, through know, you know, that area at the beginning with the cart, and you know, you, your eyes open up and everything starts off kind of gray, and then it gets brighter and brighter as you go through the mist out into that that first old town, and. The first time I saw it, I, I was just blown away with with how much better uh, it it looked. It, you know, HD, HDR is a really cool technology. It's just something that you know is a little bit newer to the gaming space, and this really helps you know increase the availability of H D R games dramatically. Uh, but you mentioned direct storage, and I think that's yep, a great transition. Let's talk a little bit about go storage. back. Yeah, yeah. So direct storage. Um, so this is a feature that you know we brought over from the Xbox Series consoles, um, and this is really designed to do a couple of things. It's it's designed to help dramatically reduce load times, and um, you know increase the, um, the the detail that is available within game worlds. Uh, and so this is actually enabled on PC through through three different things. There's a new Direct Storage API programming model for developers. Uh, there's a feature called GPU decompression, so this actually provides a basically a super fast uh, asset pipeline uh, between the, the GPU and your SSD storage. Uh, and then there are storage stack optimizations that we have that are exclusive to Windows 11. So the programming model and GPU decompression, that's going to be available on Windows 10. If a game implements direct storage, right, yeah. uh, you're you're still going to be able to play that game on Windows 10. It's not like it's going to be exclusive to Windows 11 because of direct storage. That's not yeah. the case. Uh, it's Windows 10 19, let's see, the 1909 version and up uh, will still work uh, with with games that implement direct storage. Uh, but we have these storage stack optimizations that are exclusive to Windows 11 um, that really help unlock that full potential of, of direct storage. And so that's why we really sort of consider the feature to be a Windows 11 feature, but we have that compatibility uh, that's available on Windows 10 as well. And so, you know, again, the benefits here are that you're gonna get dramatically reduced load times. Um, you know, this is really a, a next generation technology that's, that's meant to handle the demands of modern games. It's part of the DirectX families, hence, hence the naming. Um, and it provides high bandwidth access for uh, the IO operations uh, that a you know, game needs and it helps reduce that CPU overhead. So you you can really dramatically cut down on the CPU usage um, by uh, implementing direct storage in a game. Uh, And so this is something that, I think the question was asked earlier, when are we gonna start seeing games showing up that have this? It is an API that games have to implement. Uh, We have a direct storage developer preview that's happening right now. we, We rolled that out over the summer. Uh, and so, there's lots and lots of different developers and publishers and engine makers that that have this in their hands already. I don't think I can actually say who any of them are. But, uh, <laughs> can you, can you maybe say, say the big ones that you can think is of? This is something that can be you know,
1: implemented retroactively in, in games that are already out, or or does this have to be designed from the ground up, basically, with new games? so so that's
0: a great question um my understanding from talking to the engineers is that you could implement it retroactively but the 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 problem that you might run into is that that could result in basically having to effectively re-download the game um, because of uh, the way that the gpu decompression uh, works. so you know if, if you're talking about a particularly large game, you know something that's over a hundred gigs. <laughs> call of you Duty. Know, call of Duty. Yeah. <laughs> want to so <laughs> one
1: that
0: comes so I, I, I think what we're going to see is this is largely going to be implemented in new yeah. games, um, uh, and uh, you know again you should start seeing those rolling out probably early next year. I don't I don't know if you're going to see any by the end of this year, but you'll you'll see games uh, early next year that are uh, that are starting to to roll out uh, with this feature. And in terms of the requirements for this, um, you know, you are going to need an NVMe SSD uh, that you're that you're running the games on, um, and then the you, you need to make sure that you're using the standard uh, NVMe uh, controller driver. Uh, so if you're using something like, um, you know, Intel RST, uh, you know that that's that's not the same thing. You need the the, the standard. It's called the Store NVMe driver. Uh, and then you need a DirectX 12 GPU that supports at least Shader Model 6. Uh, you know, again, DirectX 12 has been around for a long time, but uh, I'm not sure exactly when Shader Model 6 released. I'd have to go back and check that. But it, you know, you're going to need a, you know, a, a fairly, a fairly
1: recent DirectX 12 GPU. Yeah, uh, I think thing, it's definitely worth see, the trouble. Oh, sorry, one thing I don't see in there, but I think is also, uh, well, I'm wondering if that helps. I would. Think it does is uh, a motherboard platform that, uh, for example, instead of PCIe Gen three, has uh, Gen four or even Gen five at some point because that just increases yeah. the bandwidth that can yeah, be so, used uh, between the storage device and the GPU, right?
0: Yeah. So the, yeah, this will still work with Gen three, yeah. um, but yes, obviously, as you as you increase the bandwidth, um, you know, that's that's certainly going to help and certainly a feature that, you know, you as a gamer probably want to have to begin with. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, Gen 4, is great. Gen 5, um, yeah, that's going to be awesome. But yeah, Gen Gen 3, this will still work with PCIe yeah. Gen 3 but as benefit
1: well. Will be, because that's the thing. I mean, with a lot of reviews of, uh, for example, uh, it's not that long ago that PCIe Gen 4 became a thing for graphics cards and it was more like, well, with storage, you know, transferring files or big RAID configurations, you could kind of, you know, explore the limits of PCIe Gen 4, but for graphics cards specifically, it, it, you never got anywhere near it. So there really wasn't that much benefit to Gen 4 yet. Uh, but I think with this, uh, with direct storage, you're really going to see uh, the benefit there. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's,
0: that's where that new programming model comes in, because it's, it's sort of a completely new way of handling some of those IO requests uh and you know those batched io requests and so uh you know my understanding from talking to the to the engineers on this they've they've shown me a a test app uh where they implemented this and just simulated loading game assets and then showed me what it did to the cpu overhead and it was really significant um i think it's going to depend a little bit on exactly how some of the different games implement it um But the potential here for for reducing CPU overhead is huge, and so, you know, that has a number of implications, like just being able to load games a lot faster, or being able to load a lot more assets into a level so that you get these more detailed game worlds. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, that and, and, I mean, the CPU will be freed up a bit to do more draw calls, which also can mean in uh, games with high frame rate. Uh, that normally the CPU will bottleneck it. So basically right. causing uh, the, the max frame rate is then decided by your CPU while your GPU is kind of, well, not right. really running at full capacity. Uh, freeing up a lot of yeah. CPU capacity yeah. should enable you to, to get even higher frame rates. Uh, so it's going to be ridiculous. But uh, yeah, that's yeah. quite interesting to see. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's a feature that I'm really excited about. And you know, it, it's uh, we, we also do have um, something that we call direct storage optimized systems. Um, and so those have a slightly higher bar in terms of uh, the SSD, so we you know, we we specify a size that's required for a direct storage optimized system.
2: Oh. I'm not I'm quite think sure a, what uh, happened. A little bit of a uh,
1: connecting lost. connection issue. Yeah, we may have lost Jordan. Uh, let's give it a few seconds. Oh, uh, we're, we're back. back. Hey, <laughs> oh, are, you are we? Okay. That was weird. It's
0: like I I can still hear you the entire time, so I'm uh, not sure what happened there. Um, yeah, where'd you where'd you lose me?
1: Uh, yeah, you were talking about the uh, uh, the direct storage, um, uh, basically the, the the ecosystem and uh, the the requirements of uh, the set. Uh, what was it? Uh, yeah, you need a server. Yeah, certain... You have like the optimized storage. Yes. You will uh, oh, have yeah, a system yeah, that's direct... like
2: optimized for it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we, we do we do also have a term which we, we call direct storage optimized and that's that's really for you know pre-configured systems and those just have a slightly higher bar uh, in terms of the size of the SSD. So, you know, one terabyte or higher in VME SSD, we have a, a minimum throughput requirement as well. Uh, and then we up the GPU requirement to DirectX twelve ultimate GPUs in order to be a direct uh, direct storage optimized system. Right. Um, but yeah there's there's uh you know in order to just get the basic benefits of of direct storage or if you know you're building your own system uh you know you you could have a smaller capacity in vme drive we, we we tend to favor those higher capacity drives just because games are getting pretty big yeah. <laughs> i have several games that are well over 100 gigs and it's like man you know 5.12 drive is, yeah, you know, that'll quick anymore. if you, you know, yeah, so rather than having to constantly offload games, it's nice to have that, that higher capacity drive.
1: So the, the but, uh, direct storage is really basically to be able to uh, guarantee a certain level of performance and, and benefits, I guess, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I expect cool. that we'll be able to see that uh, with uh, MSI, both, well, laptops yeah, and Yeah, we're laptops. looking forward to uh, the integration in our uh, 4 systems. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Cool. Well, we should have because you know they're they're a gaming machines, so uh, should definitely <laughs> have that. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All yeah. right.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, Jordan. I think we have held a lot of good information here, and uh, I'm not sure about you, Peter, but I think there's. Uh, some of the reoccurring topics in the chat that people yes. uh, would kind of like to have uh, addressed, which is uh, the relationship between having uh, VPS or virtually-based uh, security and yeah. a performance on yes. gaming. Like, Can you comment on that, perhaps? Yeah. Gotcha,
0: yeah. There, there have been some news articles over the last few days, and it, it started with one in particular, but there have been others that have come out since then, um, looking at... Uh, VBS and HVCI and what those two things do to um, to, to gaming performance. Um, you know, we selected the the Windows 11 system requirements to ensure that every running Windows 11 can turn on VBS and HVCI with nominal impact, um, and still you know include virtualization performance improvements on the, the computer's processor. Uh, so while we recommend that OEMs uh, turn those security features on, we we do have um, a process to opt out of that. It's it's something that you know, if you look at our Windows documentation, which is publicly available, um, you know there there is an option for gaming systems to opt out of enabling those features. Yeah. Um, but you know ultimately at the end of the day, if if you're for example upgrading from Windows 10 to Windows 11 and you don't have those turned on right now, we we're, we're not going to. Turn them on for you. You know that's that's not going to change whenever you're whenever you're updating. And it is, is of course something that uh, users can turn off uh, themselves if they if they want. Uh, there's a switch within the OS uh, for something called memory integrity. That's that's yeah. another name. We'll for show APC that in a minute as yeah. well.
1: Indeed, where where you can find yeah. that. And, yeah. Yeah. But I think so it's, it's you know, important need to notice that you know the, some of the the articles that have come out saying oh there's a, there's a performance impact and stuff like that. Well. There are reasons for that, and and indeed, like you mentioned, if you're upgrading, I think that's what I read somewhere, is that if you're upgrading from Windows 10 and and you don't have that enabled, which I I think most people don't, uh, then in your new Windows 11 uh, installation, it's also not enabled, so you shouldn't have any impact from that at all. Uh, Right. And we'll see that in a a few... um, Yeah, we had one media review also with some numbers which we'll go go through in a minute. Uh, But there you, you really see that it... there's really no no meaningful impact whatsoever um yeah so
0: uh, the the one thing i would say is if you're if you're looking at the news about this um you know again there's been several different articles written about this over the last few days um some have i would say much more um, extensive testing than others on a variety of different systems and so you know take a look at that um and uh you know see for yourself Uh, but uh, it's it you know in our testing it has not been uh, a dramatic impact again it's been a nominal impact in our testing um, and so it's you know it's something that we're continuing to look at and trying to, to replicate some of the numbers that have come out yep. but um, yeah you know it's it's an option there for you it's it's nice to have those security features um, but if you if you feel like you need that extra tiny little bit of performance from turning it off, you have that yeah, option as well. tiny.
1: I think it, we did some internal testing as well. I think yeah, our, our results also basically are very consistent. That uh, I- indeed, if you if you have those options uh, disabled, uh, yeah, there's there's really no performance impact at least for us. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's I've also heard some people saying, well, I'd happily trade. Just you know, a bit of performance for that extra security. So it really it, it comes down to yep. your decision if if you prefer yep. that extra, um, uh, yeah, security at at the cost of x amount of performance. Uh, but that really is your call in the yeah. end.
0: Yep. And it, yeah, and you know, we're we're yeah. we're all about user choice. We're going to honor that user choice. Um, and again, it's not something that we're that we're going to be turning on on your behalf whenever you update. You know, if, if you didn't have it on before, it's not going to be on whenever you update. But you, you know, you
1: have a system that's capable of it, you certainly have
0: that option to turn it on as well. Yeah, yeah we're definitely. going to show
1: you later on as well. So, if you, for example, I think if you would do a fresh install with the media creation tool, then it may be uh, enabled by default. Uh, but if you upgrade from a, or update, I think that's the better word, uh, from Windows 10 to Windows 11, uh, it's probably not enabled. But if you, if you want to know, we're going to show you in a minute uh, how to see, because you can basically also just see it uh, without going to the options immediately, uh, just to see if it's enabled or not. Uh, and then we're going to show you how to enable or disable it, uh, whichever you prefer. Or you can basically also just play around with it, just try and enable it, see what happens. If you don't notice the impact, probably leave it on, because why not? You know, it's extra security. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. All right, uh, Jordan, all right.
2: I think uh, we have had a very, very good time yeah. having this talk with you. It was all a pleasure, uh, and I hope uh, for you guys uh, in the chats, <laughs> you have gained a lot of knowledge and inside info as well.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, um, definitely, I think the, the, the part about direct storage, I really couldn't find it online easily anywhere, like, where people were stating like, when can we expect this somehow? So I really appreciate it. You kind of giving us yeah. an indication, so uh, that's uh, really nice to have. Yeah your um, sure thing yeah Thank so, you very much right. for,
1: for getting up early as well, especially yeah, for us. really, uh, really for appreciate you. it. <laughs> yeah no problem. Thanks for having me on guys. Cool. Yeah. And uh, yeah thanks for joining. hope hopefully we can, uh, we can do more streams in the, in the future. We can have you on a bit more often or something. And who knows yeah, maybe abs- with when direct storage uh, things become available might be uh, Actually, exciting yeah. to get a bit more inside <laughs> yeah. information about it as that well makes sense yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure thing. I I'd, I'd love to come back on
2: whenever that comes out. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Sure. We already have people in the chat starting to saying, uh, you know, thank you Jordan, very yes. clear.
1: Uh, thank All right. you. people appreciate it. Thank. Um yeah, thank you. Thank and you for your uh, time. We'll stay in touch. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. Thanks
1: again. Cheers. Have a Cheers. nice day. Bye. All right, bye-bye.
0: That's all for the interview during the MSI Insider livestream. If you want to
1: hear or see more, please go to the MSI Gaming YouTube channel. We also put the URL in the description. To get the latest information from MSI, you are welcome to follow us on
0: Instagram, Facebook, and/or Twitter. This is MSI Tech Chat. Thank you for listening. We will be back soon.